When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How do I still stop the bleeding? How do I still stop the needing? How do I stop, stop repeating? The cycle, the cycle of sabotage. Hey, this is Steve Balton. Welcome back to My Turning Point. This week, Sage Bob and I are really excited to welcome Baby Rose for an absolutely fascinating conversation on her brilliant new album, Through and Through, the artistic process, so much more. Really love this conversation, so I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. This is Steve. Steve is the main, the main man. Mm. Nah. Sage is totally in charge. I don't do shit. So you guys know each other. Just go ahead. But Rose, I'm very excited to talk to you. The album is amazing. And Sage has done nothing but rave about how incredible you are. And it's a beautiful album. So I, I'm very excited to get to speak to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate that. And and Rose, just to give you a little background, Steve and I have been working together for a while. Steve is an incredible, very talented writer um, and doesn't take on a lot of things and uh, authentically, you know, will will support the things he loves. He doesn't really do things that he doesn't love um, and is not passionate about. So that means, you know, he's really invested in this. So I'm I'm excited for you both to chat. Appreciate you, Steve. I like no, I, I, you know, that's to me, one of the best definitions of success is getting to do what you want to do. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know? So if someone's not cool, <laughs> I don't care how big they are. I'm not going to talk to them. If someone's cool, we'll be friends for, you know. It's funny. Sage went with me a couple weeks ago to hang out with ASAP Rocky. Rocky yeah. and I, the first time we met, we smoked. We hung out for two and a half hours. And it's like, if you're cool, we just become friends for life. Mm, that's fire. I love that. I love that. But you guys were starting to talk. I don't I don't want us to take all this time. But uh, so, yeah, I'm going to let you guys get into it. And I'll just sort of, you know, pepper in. Because when Sage and I do interviews together, you know, we both just take turns asking questions. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Sorry I have my camera off, by the way. I, I got sick over the weekend, so I look pretty. <laughs> I look pretty. It's all good. Did you? <laughs> Did you at least have fun getting sick? Was it doing anything fun or just... What was it? Oh, yeah. No, we've been celebrating since Thursday. So it's been a beautiful time. I've taken a hiatus from drinking for like the past three months. But at the listening party, it was just like, yeah, nah, I'm going to get lit. <laughs> and it's just been an ongoing theme until Sunday when I guess I got... Wait, wait, wait. All right, now I'm just curious, though. What's your drink of choice? Um, tequila soda. <laughs> so yeah, it was a vibe. It's been a vibe, but now I'm back to reality, getting in tour mode, 
and getting back healthier. Wait, wait, I lied. I'm going to start this off because this is really fun to me. So <laughs> I became friends with Zane Lowe over at Apple and I'm friends with Billy Corgan as well. And they had one of the best conversations of all time. And I've always loved this. Sage, I'm not even sure if you and I talked about this, but it was really funny because Zane asked Billy, who's super smart, Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins, what sort of fueled their 90s success. And Billy being the sarcastic asshole he is, is like, could have been the right water. It could have been this. He's like, I don't know. It could have been the right chicken piccata, you know? And it just cracked me up. And we started discussing, Billy and I at length, what foods fueled the great music of all time. So since we're talking tequila and soda, what were the food and drinks that fueled this album for you? When you go back and hear it, is there one food or drink that was the, the common denominator as you were recording in studio? Um, There were definitely specific drinks that I had in foods. So one thing that I remember when I was setting up my camps, whether it be in Nashville or Atlanta, I would have this kind of yin and yang thing going on where I would have like green juices from Arden's Garden be in the studio. But then there would also be like the ingredients for a hot toddy also around. So you could choose whatever fighter you would like. But I would have like tea and um, bourbon Oh, yeah, was it? It was Bullet. Yeah, so Bullet whiskey or whatever and um, lemons and ginger so you can make this warm, beautiful drink. And I would do it with Manuka honey, so it's like you kind of feel like you're doing it for your health, but <laughs> slowly getting more and more lit. <laughs> See, I love this because it seems like a total random question, but then when you go back and hear the album... Do you hear that juxtaposition? Do you hear those two different worlds coming together? Hell yeah, I do. I mean, I do. And, you know, sometimes even though I know where the road leads, I would take like an edible or whatever. <laughs> but the green juice was always the way back. The green juice, for some reason, that's free game, by the way. You get to use some good green juice, you're back from being down that wormhole. Of wherever the edible is going. <laughs> See, that's so funny because you don't, I mean, as an artist, can you ever always know where the road leads? The fun of it is the fact that the road takes you on this journey and you're like, wait, where the, you're all of a sudden you're in Oz and you're like, wait, where the fuck am I going? And where did these red ruby slippers come from? <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, I don't go in with a roadmap like, I know what this album is going to be about. This is what, you know, I'm trying to say it's, it's definite. All of that comes after the fact. So I, I, I love to remain very much in surrender to the process while it's happening and like let things come to light, you know? I love, I love that phrase, in surrender to the process. Sage, take it away. Well, congratulations on everything. And this spread on the New York Times is so beautiful. And I was so shocked to to read that you recorded over a hundred songs before widowing them down to the eleven. And as we're talking about process, that just blew my mind. Um, was it trying to discover the seed of what you wanted this project to be, and then branching off of that seed, or just widowing down to 
find the seed after? I mean, it was definitely just planting a bunch of seeds. I feel like when we had the pandemic happen, you know, um, there was nothing but space and opportunity to create. And so even prior to that, you know, from to myself where I only had those 10 songs left on that hard drive, like, you know, it was just kind of starting from scratch all the way back in um, 2019 or whatever. And just building or with the people around me, like we all have this passion for just creating and not only creating what we know we're good at, but like going for for what we don't know, you know, like going for the unknown and like just getting into different sonic spaces. There was a, a phase where we were really deep in the disco. And so Love Bomb had like, <laughs> Love Bomb has like 15 sisters, <laughs> siblings or whatever. Like, but, and then there, when I, you know, I saw a documentary on Joan Jett and that just sent me, it was like around the time where I was listening to Dark Side of the Moon and like other other artists now out, you know, like Yellow Days and King Cruel and like really just getting into the grunge uh, um, area. I think that in my life at that point, there was a lot of contention. There was a lot of like, back and forth, you know, about, you know, who do you want to be? Like, are you, you're, you're R&B and da-da-da-da-da. And I was just feeling a lot of like, bro, like, I never have been asked these questions before. These never, these were never an occurrence that came to me before as I was in my process. And now it seems to be like a big conversation or whatever. And so that sent me down the hole of kind of like getting into uh, Fight Club and like Nightcap and others that are like that. Like, yeah, it, I, I think that I tended wherever I was, whatever space I was in and 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 beautifully having like my friends kind of be in the similar space. Like we were all really in tune with one another. But like. Yeah, we we kind of just went for it together, and and so yeah, it was really beautiful. It was a really beautiful process. Something that Steve and I love to talk about is how a lot of good writing is subconscious and unconscious. So is there a lot of surprises for you with how this album turned out? Now looking on it and seeing perhaps what some of these songs were actually about and you weren't wise to it when you were writing them. Mm. So you're asking, what was the question? One more time. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Sorry. I, I worded that weirdly. Steve and I love to talk about how a lot of good writing is subconscious mm. and perhaps it will be revealed of what you're actually singing about much later than when that song happened for you. And now that you've had these songs, it was are there a lot of surprises as far as um, for yourself of what what is revealed within that? Mm. Honestly, I feel like once I kind of took a look at the overall picture, 
like being able to sift through all of the records or whatever at the end of the day when it came to making the track list i kind of saw a storyline coming to light and you know when i was in the process each song was very kind of direct like down from love bomb being like me just trying to you know be very in my sensual bag and that's really how i'm uh i when i see something someone i like i tend to be very direct about that or like go and dance with me like dance with me would probably be the only one that i, I people kind of take that as a love song or whatever but for me i tried to make it as unstable as possible with the chords and everything like that and like kind of make it feel like a love that's barely holding on that you kind of want to question like is this really something i want to keep but um and then tell me it's real and stop the bleeding tell me it's real has the same first verse that stop the bleeding but the way I carry my tone is like falsetto and I'm very sensual in it. And it's kind of like giving a representation of how it feels to be in a unstable situation, but you're still in it and you're still, there's still lust. There's still like fire, passion in it, you know? And then Stop the Bleeding is like cold water. Like I can't do this shit no more. Um, but I was able after taking time away from the music and then coming back and like listening and, you know, I, I was able to see a, a, a through line through all of it and how it was showing a cycle that I tend to, <laughs> that I tend to live through. Um, and each time I'm aware of it, it helps me get out of it quicker. You know, what was the through line for you? The through line is just this cycle of, um, I think just a cycle that traces back to some things maybe I'd seen growing up or whatever, um, of wanting desperately to hold on to love for a sense of validation, a sense of security, a sense of um, I'm doing all right in the world you know, this is my person or whatever, but, but knowing deep within, you know, that that is that type of security can only come from within or from a higher power. However, it's not from somebody else. Like we're all trying to find our way. And um, also understanding that, that sentiment, you know, you know, when you begin to, like, you know, I love myself. I I I want more for me and da-da-da-da-da. But you start to like act on that, even if it's uncomfortable, mad uncomfortable at first, my God. But when you start to do that, you start to foster empathy for those around you, for for the world at large, like and be able to look at it with a softer gaze. Things that would bother you before don't tend to bother you as much because you start to just wish more for people. Like you hope for them that they find what they're looking for, you know? And so that's what I, that's what I kind of found. Like this is kind of medicinal in a way. Like this is, this is an offering. This album is an offering. And um, what I hope is that it changes people's lives or 
I know it's changing my life because I'm here right now talking to y'all. <laughs> it's changing my life every day, which is a beautiful thing. Um, but, you know, I just hope that it helps people to um, realize that they can have a choice in whether they suffer or not. Like a lot of that suffering is a choice internally that they have to decide, like, all right, you know. No, I love that. I'm going to ask one more question and then on that, and then I'm going to let Sage go again. But, you know, it's interesting for you. What were those albums growing up that, that offered you that medicinal part? It's a two-part question. So first, what were those albums for you that sort of inspired that change? Hmm. Honestly, Miseducation of Lauryn Hill was in, an incredible album that I listened to growing up. Um, songs in the key of life, love, Donny Hathaway's collection. To know that he had went through so much. I mean, it's like these are these are albums that I listened to as a child, but then also like as an adult revisiting them, it just hit. <laughs> it hits different, but it's so beautiful that I've been able to carry them through my childhood into adulthood. Like. Which I, I think that's why it was important for me to put records like Power and Water on there because I want the kids to like, I want people to play it for the kids. You know what I'm saying? And even though they were, yeah. we're grown as hell singing that, <laughs> it brought. Yeah, I love that so much because I hosted a podcast around the 2020 election called People Have the Power, where I would talk with artists, everyone from Chuck D and Carlos Santana to Shepard Ferry about their favorite protest songs. And one of the things we talked about is you're six years old, you hear what's going on, you mm -hmm. hear, you know, in the city, and you just think this is a great sounding song, but you have no idea what it's about. Exactly. You know, and then you get older and you realize the power of these messages. So are there a couple of these songs that over the years have changed for you where you start to appreciate them in a different way? Because again, you hear what's going on at six years old. You're like, oh, wow, man, this is a great song. And then you, or I always use the example Beatles help. Right. To me, that's like the, the like the quintessential example, because that's a song that you hear it as a kid and you think it sounds really upbeat. And then you hear it as an adult and you realize it's literally someone begging for help because they're suicidal. You know, and so it becomes a whole different song when you hear it as an adult. Are there those songs for you? Oh, my God. Yeah. Someday We'll All Be Free by Donny Hathaway is one of those songs. I mean, when I heard it as a kid, it it hit me to my core, like the, the chords of it, like the dissonance. Like it made me feel melancholy. And I think that was like the first time that I had ever felt like, damn, I don't know whether to be happy or to cry. Like. And then revisiting it as an adult and realizing the story behind it, him writing that for his friend that was suffering mental illness. And then meanwhile, well, they say, you know, Donny Hathaway suffered mental illness on his own and everything. And it's just like, ah, oh, it just makes me just feel all of the feelings inside of me. Um, that Amy Winehouse's catalog, I mean, Jesus, like she was just very open and vulnerable. Hearing Janis Joplin, specifically Mercedes Benz, like her just, you know, being very raw and, you know, talking about wanting to just make it, make it out the hood, baby. <laughs> but yeah, like songs like that, like 
really deeply affecting me. Elton John, a song for you. Like, uh, there's a lot. There were a lot of records that really stuck with me. Oh, Sam Cooke, A Change Is Gonna Come. My great aunt would always make me sing that song to her, even before I knew the how impactful it was at the time, you know? She was born in 1921, yeah. so I she knew how deep it was. I was a kid singing that at like 10 or 11 to her, just reciting what I heard and what I thought. Also, the first song I learned at piano, which was um, Billie Holiday's, what is it, God Bless the Child, never knew really the depths of the meaning of that until revisiting it later on, like, and so, yeah, there's a lot of songs like that. Oh man, I would love, yeah, I love that. You sing that song. So, mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love that record. Well, you are so inspiring. And I have two part question around that for all of the musicians and people like looking at you and just being so inspired by you. One, I love what you said earlier about how the validation can only come from self and how that's self-love and you learn the tools and it's super uncomfortable at first, but yeah. what were some of those tools that you've learned and now implement so gracefully that people reading, you know, can learn and, and, and for sure. Um, I would say a little morning routine and a night routine Moments when time where you know for sure that you get alone, because I know everybody has a different lifestyle and everything like that. But usually when you first wake up in the morning, that's like your little bit of alone time, like really being gentle with yourself during that and setting your intention and having life audits, you know, whether that be weekly or monthly, where you kind of choose like what is no longer serving me? What do I, what is making me feel happy? Doing something every week that makes your inner child feel like ignited, like whether it's going to see, going to park or like, I don't know, going to see a movie or having a movie day at the crib and like ordering pizza, whatever, like just being very like doing little love things for you. Like only, you know, for real, for real, how you need to be loved and like showing yourself love. One of the easiest things I do is just take a bath. Like, I know that shit sounds crazy, simple, but when I, when it's like bath time, that shit is my moment for me to shine. Like, just having my time. And so like, for me, I don't really, I, I don't like to like put pal too much on because I, I like consistency. And so it's like, I try to, I think once you start one thing, it will start to build upon another and another and another. But like, yeah, like just being very gentle with yourself and not, not shaming yourself for, for things, you know, just taking your time with it, you know. And then as far as your creative process, has that changed quite a bit since the first album or is it still a ritual that you continue to do in a very similar way? Oh, absolutely. It changed a lot from the first album. I mean, we kept the 
that the spirit of the rawness stayed like that whole idea of me coming in as a blank canvas and being a vessel and everybody understanding that like we not coming in nobody's coming in like we need a hit song and oh my god da, 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 da. like nobody's coming in here with buzzwords and shit like <laughs> it's not like that it's very much like very respectful of the process and like jamming everybody around me is so talented and so um grounded you know and 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 insightful and offers so much to my process and so it's that but it's also like me becoming a student like when i went to nashville for a little while was because i wanted to become a better writer and just get away from atlanta get away from from all of the familiarity and kind of put myself into a place where i'm learning from og songwriters how they work their process which is very different from my own like we would start sessions at 2 p.m. and end at like 4 a.m. type shit. They start sessions at like 10 a.m. and end at 2 p.m. <laughs> or like 5 p.m. at the latest and like leave a lot of time for family or eating together and da 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 da. And when it came to a song, if there was already a beat, it would be like, all right, well, let's strip this down to piano or guitar to write it because that's how you'll know if you have a great record. Like if you could just stand alone or do an acapella, then you have a record. Like you can imagine everything around it. And so it put me into a space where I was back in that, that, that mode of like, well, damn, like my ambition is to really write songs that change the world. Like how, when I listen to what a wonderful world uh, by Louis Armstrong or like, um, somewhere over the rainbow records like that that really were like oh my god or Donny Hathaway any one of his songs you know um, it really kind of put me back into that mindset of like ah I know what everybody's saying but I know what I want like I really want to plant a seed that grows beyond even my expectations and so we made Stop the Bleeding there we made Go Dance With Me Water like Records that can kind of just outside of I feel like dance with me, the chords are kind of all right. They're very but I love that though. So we kinda had to keep a balance of both of like the things that separate me, the 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 dissonance, the kind of instability, and then I kind of delved into like the makings of a great record and um, we had a lot of time for post-production. I had more resources to be able to set up camps. It wasn't survival mode. Like I was able to have an environment that, you know, the best part of this whole process has been just the creation process. Like all of the memories made. Oh my God. Like, I'm just so grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said, how the first album was more to yourself and this next album is the collective of consciousness. Steve and I are working on a project, um, spirituality and music. It's probably going to be a book and who knows what else, but I really wanted it to be like these fragments of what people and artists um, have to say about what their views are on consciousness and then create this collective of consciousness. Um, 
just to like see how similar we all are at the core, even though everybody has these altering ideas. Um, so if I could ask you a question about that, um, what would you say your purpose is on where you are here at this moment in time? I feel as though my purpose is to be a healer and to, to heal and to heal, you know? And so um, I don't find satisfaction in material things. I don't find satisfaction in, you know, popularity. I don't find satisfaction in a lot of things that would give others satisfaction. I find satisfaction in being able to go on stage, being able to step into a booth, or grab a microphone wherever I am and be able to tell my story as it is and then be able to resonate, like to know, you know, when, when that's done, that I've done something that can help somebody else. I find satisfaction in being able to reach out into my community and do things like when I was in Atlanta and did that free Christmas show and, you know, we donated hella stuff to the Tinder Foundation, which helps single moms. And my mom was a single mom and she's over working the merch booth. And my brother is over here, like helping out with something else. And my friends are all in the crowd and my friends are all in the band. And like, we're doing something that we're in an old gutted out church and everybody is singing to the top of their lungs. Love has the power to heal the whole wide world. That's what makes my heart literally swell and gives me chills and gives me this sense of God forbid, but if I die tomorrow, I knew I did my thing. I know I did what I was supposed to do. And, you know, I do feel as though getting closer to success because I wrote records like Paranoid, because I wrote even into myself records like Pressure and like, I'm so vocal about my fear of heights. <laughs> I'm so vocal about that that it's like that I I feel like I'll be gr I'll I'll be given grace if I fuck up. Like in a beautiful way. Like if I fall off this like if I fall off the tracks which I sometimes do. Come on baby, I'm human just like everybody else. Like I feel like I'll be given grace and I'll be able to talk about it and like it's just a space where I feel like everything that I've been through has led me to this time where now, oh my God, I'm charting for the first time. I'm, things are happening that have never happened for me before in my career, but it all feels like, okay, but I'm ready now. Like I'm ready for this to happen. I'm ready to be on bigger stages and, and in front of bigger audiences and talk about what I've been through and 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 talk about the music and I've got an offering that people are receiving so well and like I'm just grateful to have a purpose that lends itself to heal others you know because I hate to talk about myself and I love to talk about how we all could be better <laughs> but we all could be better to ourselves basically you know well, I want to jump in on that for a second because I love what you said earlier about, you know, just taking that time for yourself. And I think that it's the older you get and the more you realize that, 
the more you appreciate things. And do you feel like, I love what you were just saying too about being ready now. Do you feel like because it's come at your pace that you're enjoying things more, that you feel like you're more ready for it? And most importantly though, you're appreciating the music and everything that's coming with it because it's coming from a place where it wasn't rushed. Oh, absolutely. I was extremely intentional in crafting this album. The album covers shot by some of my best friends, you know, everything, the videos leading back to the inner child work and me being able to face myself and show that Stop the Bleeding is not about a lover, but about this tension that I've had with myself when grappling with like my values, really. Like, what do I define as success? When I think about that little girl version of me, it's just being able to like make the things that I've always wanted to make. And to be received for records like Love Bomb by like Joe Budden. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know what I'm saying? Like some of the biggest podcasters that be hating on everybody's shit and they love my shit. It's like, oh my God, it's so different. Like it hits so different when you win for the music that you really love, that you really, like I only made this because I want to see more of it in the world and there's not enough of it. And it's like, all right, well, if I don't do it and I have this idea Who's going to do it? I'm going to just be waiting for people to catch this idea. Like, no, like, let's do this. This is what is on our heart. And it's just, it just gives me chills how well things are happening. And, and, and the fact that I was so scared, like, when the pandemic happened and it was like everything got quiet. I was like, well, damn, like, you know, I really felt like, there was a part of me that was really just like, well, of course this would happen. Like you didn't deserve this and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And like that imposter syndrome shit, like, and just to know that, you know, the devil works hard, but God works so much harder and, and faith and, and keeping our head down and like making something with meaning and, and keeping documentaries on the screens of, Tina Turner and the Bee Gees and Marvin Gaye and, and Motown and all of these people that forged pathways way before we were even thought of that were up against so much more. And like, bro, this is not new. This is this is the beginning of every origin story. <laughs> like, it's like you make something, but you come against so many odds. And as long as you just stay on track with the intention you'll be met with all of the things you need like i want to be able to perform to audiences that are vast that i can't even see the end of the crowd like i want to be able to take this around the world and because i know it's bigger than me like at the at the end of the day i know it's bigger than me i know that this is changing all of our lives and i know that it can change the life of the listener and so it's deeper. It's not a selfish thing. Like, as it's just, it's so, it's so uh, layered. <laughs> but no, I love that. And I'm going to, this will be my last question. And then I'm going to let Sage wrap it up. But it's funny because, you know, when we were hanging out during Grammy week, mm. one of the things we really noticed, and we went to the show and all this, and I love the fact I've, I've been to Grammys many times and it usually bores the shit out of me. And <laughs> this year was my favorite by far. And there were a couple of reasons. One of the things, I love the number of people 
who cussed during the acceptance speech. And it sounds so stupid, but the thing is, usually it's a very controlled, organized environment, as Danielle knows. And the fact that people felt so comfortable, I really feel like you're starting to see a sway to people understanding that the most important thing for artists is to be their authentic selves. And, you know, Sage and I have discussed this so much for you. Do you feel like it means more because you are coming at it from a place where, again, it is your authentic self. It's, you know, people will tell you all the time, do this, do this, do this. You know, people told Sage for so many years, do this as an artist. There's no right path. There's only your path, you know, and you see when you look at all the great artists in history, whether it's Bowie, whether it's Miles, whether it's Joni, whether it's, you know, whoever it is, like, you know, they're coming from a place of authenticity. And do you feel like, you know, you're appreciating it more? And also, I'm curious, when did you start to realize that the only way to be successful as an artist was to follow your authentic self and to just tell everybody else who tries to tell you what to do to go fuck themselves? <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, I feel like the only thing, the only way things started to work for me was when I was very adamant about telling my story from my perspective and kind of like leaning in again to that notion of I want to make what I want to see in the world. And I think that it's important for like when you mentioned Bowie and um, there are certain artists that start out one way, like when you go to their beginning trajectory, I just found this out like quite recently, like Marvin Gaye or Bob Marley or David Bowie, they started out in the beginning of their career quite straight edged, like very wearing suits and shit. And I was like, oh shit, what the fuck? That's so crazy. <laughs> but like, it's cool. I guess what I'm trying to say even as you're pinpointing who you are, it's cool to evolve. Like, you know, don't be so pressed to define who you are that you're like, oh, well, I am this, so I have to be this. Like, baby, when you feel that call to stretch your arms, to stretch your wings and fucking fly, do that. Even if you, if, even if, People around you say you're silly or or you're or you're doing something that's weird or like people tease you. People tease me sometimes all the time. You know, my voice is so low. Like, uh, what's that? <laughs> da 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 da. But at the same token, there are people that love what I do. And it's like, I just gotta focus on the fact that I love what I do. I love how unique my instrument is. I love that I'm able to to talk to men and women alike or, or anyone, you know what I'm saying? With the same fervent energy of masculine and feminine energy. I love that. Like I have a universal truth in, in, in the belly of my music. And so it's like, I'm just thankful. I think when you lead with gratitude, you can't go wrong. Like, Gratitude for all of the shit that separates you from the fat from the pack and gratitude for all of the ideas that stretch the norm. You know, you got to have a sense. You have to have a sense of I don't give a fuck to a point that you have to understand that you're here for a reason. And, and it can't be just to assimilate and to do what everybody else does. You got to stretch your wings. <laughs> you know, people need to see that. Well, look, 
like I said, I'm going to let Sage wrap it up, but all I will say is having done this for a very long time and having sat with, as Danielle said, I've sat with everyone from James Brown and BB King to Aretha. The one thing that I tell people is if you are trying to please everybody, you are doing it wrong. I know that's fucking right. Damn. It's an honor to speak to you, Steve. That's awesome. Wow. It's, the honor is all mine. And you can credit Sage because she couldn't stop raving about you and how amazing you were. And of course, as usual, Sage is right because she always is. Oh, Sage. Thank you. Thank you. You're doing the work. You're making the things. It's so hard to like literally birth these projects. And yeah, I love what you said. Like you wanted to make the project that you wanted to see and you have to catch the idea because you don't know if somebody else is going to come along and, and catch the idea and do the work to make it happen. Are there, is there a specific song of yours and then a song of someone else's that you feel brings you closest to the beyond or closest to connecting to whatever channel that, that you are for? Mm, damn. I think that it's between power and go. Go, people don't know this, but this, go is an ode to God. It's, it's an ode to holding on to like a higher version of myself or my innocence or a pureness, you know, a sense of like, I don't want to lose this in this whole this uh this journey you know and so that and power being the front and the end is meant for it to like be a cyclical even as the front and the end of the album it goes right back into one another um and so another a song that i've heard that really resonated with me i have to say i mean someday we'll all be free by Donny Hathaway is so, that's my favorite song of all time. No cap, bar none, like my favorite song of all time because it just feels like a plea to just connect with God. Oh, and Lord help me by Donny Hathaway. Those two songs are like, wow, my God. I love that. I love Nina Simone. Um, don't let me be misunderstood. Um, but those records feel very like spiritual. I love Time by Pink Floyd. I don't know. There's a whole list. I could make a whole playlist of songs that made me feel like, okay, this is directly a a, a link to to uh, the beyond, you know, the great beyond. Yeah. Wait, will you please do that for our project? I want to hear that playlist. Yeah, I will do that. Hell yeah. I'll send you that. <laughs> I just, as a fan, I just want to hear that. Oh, for sure. I will send you that. I will make one for you because I have all of those records that are like the most pivotal, the most, I guess for me, you know. That just made me feel like, wow, these are these artists just kind of like, it just feels like they're looking above the audience. They're not leaving, they're looking over their heads and they're they're staring at 
something beyond, you know, it's, it's not performing, oh, yeah. you know, there it's, are certain artists who just have that ability. They just see things in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Last question. What do you want people to take from stop the bleeding when they hear it? What do you got? What, you know, having put so much of yourself into it, when you hear it as a completed work, what do you take from it? Stop the bleeding. I want people to understand there's two sides of this coin. What I want them to understand as just somebody who's just discovering me is I am here and I am on this mountaintop, baby. <laughs> I am here, okay? <laughs> um, and I'm so proud of that song because we made a trio sound like an orchestra and that is the ultimate manifestation that I would like to see for myself. Hopefully before the end of the year, I'm trying to sing in front of an orchestra and have my moment. And so there's that. And then, you know, as far as those that have listened or, or, or are, you know, familiar with my work, I just want them to see how much I am willing to stretch to get my point across. Like, Stop the Bleeding is something that represents facing yourself and not blaming anyone else for where you're at, you know, really taking responsibility for your life, taking responsibility for all of my woes and, and understanding, all right, enough is enough. And so it was only right that I made the music sonically that we had that feel like as stark as it is, just piano, organ, and a little acoustic and some and some strings. Like the strings were doing all my backgrounds. I really just wanted to be a voice over this foundation. And so it's the climax of my album. And it's one of the most important songs that I've ever made. And I just want to be able to make more like it. I, I love being in that bag and I love being able to bring back a traditional like standard like that and and that's something that I just want to make more of and so I I, I, I feel very much called to do that you know this is a great honor I, this was so fucking cool I really enjoyed it I love your perspective on things you have an amazing attitude and you know it's funny like, like I said I mean there are artists that I've known now for 30 years and you know, I feel very comfortable with the fact that we'll be talking in 20 years. I know that's fucking right. Hell yeah. Steve, you're awesome. Stage, you too. You already know. This was amazing. Like this made me feel even better. <laughs> like I feel healthier after this conversation. <laughs> well, I mean, so do we. <laughs> oh, appreciate you guys. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been listening to My Turning Point with special guest Baby Rose. Thank you so much.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 